Scripture reading from Revelation 5, 9, and 10. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So I have a, uh, a tradition that I like to do in ministry after our general conferences to be able to come back and share a little bit about the experience and what it was like. I was very grateful for Jeff last week, though, to um, preach for us this last Sunday and get, give us a, a great message and offer also me an opportunity to rest after a long time. It's, it's quite different having four kids at conference with you while you're doing things. And we had a few late nights as well, but uh, um, it was really, a, it was a great week. It was great. It always feels like a family reunion to be there, uh, to see folks you haven't seen in a while, people from uh, all over the country, from our different regions, even some of our global partners there as well. And so it's really, it was really a wonderful time. Uh, if you have any other questions you want to ask about the experience, feel free to ask. Rudy as well was there, and uh, uh, my wife and the kids were there. You can ask them from their perspective. I think you can really love the arcade stuff that they had there uh, for some of the youth conference. You're playing a lot of Ninja Turtles, <laughs> so that's pretty fun. Uh, we do have a few minor uh, business items that I wanted to share with you guys, just because the business that we handle is important um, from the uh, uh, national stage, the national conference. Uh, most of the business we handle is pretty little fanfare. We did pass our budget for the next year. We uh, passed a manual procedure change, basically in enabling our regional leadership teams to make appointments when they're vacant positions. If someone hasn't been elected or someone had to exit their position before their term ended. Really not uh, super groundbreaking stuff, but it was an important thing. We also re-elected Sarah Moore uh, from St. James, Maryland, and Rob Starnes from uh, Gretna Brethren Church in Bell Fountain back to the executive board. Their terms had expired up for uh, re-election, and, uh, and they were re-elected. There was another friend of mine, Jason Crouch, from uh, the southeast region, from my home church uh, down in Oak Hill. He was also elected, but as often happens, if you're kind of the first time there, uh, a new face to people. It's, uh, if there's someone who's incumbent, who's, who's, whose name is uh, better known, they typically end up being, getting reelected. And so uh, let's, let's pray that Jason gets another opportunity sometime in the future because he, he does do a great job with it. But those were some of the uh, little items of business that, that um, were passed. The big item that we uh, had a lot of discussion about that dominated the bulk of our time was revisiting the vision statement conversation from last year. If you remember my update last year, I, I told you we had a lot of conversation on the conference floor. Uh, we didn't end up affirming a new vision statement. We were actually working through a process that had started a few years back of uh, trying to discern together what does God have for us as a denomination moving forward. And so uh, we did a very brethren practice of trying to seek communal input and consensus in that. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us from the ground up? And so we had town halls and all sorts of opportunities for people to speak into and say, when they look at the brethren church in the future, what are the things they hope to see that they, they see already kind of at work, the, the Holy Spirit doing it in our midst, and we want to see more of. And so there was a lot of that process of uh, pulling some of those insights together, and then an executive board was able to look at all of, of that data and try to wordsmith some things, put it together, and, and produce a statement uh, last year that was brought before people for discussion. Uh, and that happened, a lot of discussion around some of those things. 
Um, and by the end of the week, we felt like, okay, there was uh, a lot of progress that was made, some understanding, some clarifying of things, but it wasn't to a point of such consensus agreement that we felt like, oh, we can have a vote on affirming this and moving forward. We wanted to do some more work. And so at the end of last year, the task was, we're gonna keep on listening and also the executive board worked through some strategic plans sorts of things. What would this vision statement look like worked out, teased out a little bit to give more definition and clarity to people. We had more town hall conversations over the last year and this year came back and discussed all of that and what does it look like. And we did by the end of the week, after some more feedback throughout the week, uh, about wording, some tweaks to some things, even some humorous debates about comma placements. There were a lot of, uh, a lot of care about where we put commas and where we don't put commas on things. Uh, but we ended up affirming, uh, the general conference affirmed this new vision statement with a resounding 98% vote. So that's a, a lot a lot of buy-in for that. And the new vision statement, if you're curious, is the Brethren Church is led by the Word and Spirit as a family of churches creating innovative relational spaces for every tribe, language, people, and nation to encounter God's redemptive kingdom. I want to spend some time for us this morning unpacking that uh, some of this for us because there's some really great stuff in here, especially underneath it in the strategic plan and how some of it is fleshed out. Uh, but first, I want to situate this for us in context as well because this is a vision statement for the denomination, which sits at the crossroads between our local churches and the Big C Church as well, right beyond just our denomination. Um, and this vision statement also sits in relation to our mission statement, even for those three bodies. Uh, so this vote wasn't to change uh, any congregation's vision statement. It was to affirm that, uh, uh, it was to affirm, is this what all our brethren congregations in the U.S. want to pursue together? And does it adequately give us a vision forward for what our mission statement is? And so just a, a quick note on mission statements. Pretty much all churches have some formulation of the great uh, commandment and the great commission. It's a really tiny text up here. Sorry for you guys. But to love God, love others, and to make disciples. So, for example, at Smoky Row, our mission statement is we join together to pursue God's love, become more like Jesus, build, God, build God's kingdom through word and deed. Our denominational mission statement is uh, that we make disciples of Jesus Christ, united in Christ, embracing and reflecting God's love, and living in the transforming presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You see how both of these are kind of reformulations of that love God, love others, make disciples. The vision statement then is kind of rooted in this vision of what will and what is Jesus doing in our midst and what are we all working towards. It's less about what our ministry is and more about the what of God's promise and Jesus's victory. It's our hope-filled picture of what will happen as a result of us faithfully living out the mission that Jesus has given the church. So uh, this is why John's vision in Revelation that we read just before this, uh, that Lydia read for us, is so inspiring, right? Because it shows us the mission worked. Right? He, uh, Jesus started with a handful of disciples, 12 disciples who uh, were not particularly holy, they were ruffians, tax collectors, and misfits. They weren't particularly unified. They couldn't stop arguing about who was going to be the greatest among them, right? They weren't particularly outward focused. 
They were very focused on what Jesus would do specifically for Israel, their people, and to deal with their Roman oppressors. And they were not particularly great disciples, even. They frequently misunderstood Jesus, even though they were around him all the time. They had trouble really understanding who he was, what he was saying, and what he was doing, even. But in John's vision, we've got people from every nation and people and and language united in worship and humble service. Jesus made of his church something impossible, starting with this ragtag group of people who really did accomplish what was set out in the mission to make disciples of all nations. And what uh, Jeff talked about with us last week, right, that uh, they would witness in Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. It actually happens. You see this in John's vision. In our new denominational vision statement, it tries to capture some of that sense, to bridge the gap between where we are now and what we eagerly await to see in Jesus in and through us in light of eternity. So that's what I want to unpack for us now uh, this morning. What might it look like in the interim between now and then? Both for us as a denomination, but also where our place as Smoky Row is in that vision. The first clause here is that we'd be led by the word and spirit as a family of churches. So from out of all people groups, Jesus has called uh, a new, called and held together a new family in him. That means that the very first part of that vision, before we get to anything else, it involves being in Jesus and unity. One of our friends, uh, Terry Hofecker, who's the pastor at Agora here in, in Columbus, last week he said it this way, an interesting quote, that implicit in the name brethren is the promise of a new family. That uh, what we say together as a people, as a movement, as a denomination, is that when we are a part of God's family, it is we are brothers and sisters together. Whatever lack of connection that you might have had before, you are now connected in a meaningful family with one another. From out of all people groups, Jesus has called and held together a new family in him. So if we really live up to our name, it means that those who join our ranks will discover value, dignity, and community in a world where division and loneliness are on the rise. I forget exactly what the stats were, but Nate Bebout at our uh, elders meeting was uh, sharing about like the stats are showing that uh, loneliness is at like epidemic proportions in our, our society. That uh, it's loneliness and depression are, are leading to fatal death rates of things like suicide and, and other things. It really negative to our health even beyond that as well. That uh, um, it is a serious issue. But if we really live up to our name, we can do something countercultural to show people real, true community in Christ. There are some practical ways that we hope to prioritize this. Things like uh, communal prayer and discernment, knowing that we have to prioritize slowing down to pray. We all say that we, we are about prayer, that we all care about prayer, right? Um, but we, we want to make sure that at all of our meetings, at all of our, our formal things, from regions to general conference to executive board to our church meetings, that we are really slowing down, listening what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, listening to one another, praying, pouring out our hearts to God, rooting ourselves in prayer. Uh, We want to be intentional about structuring that into all of our gathering times. Also deepening unity and trust. 
discovering if there are unaddressed wounds that have created divides and distrust in our denomination, maybe either between churches or within churches or between churches in a regional level or a national level? Is there anything that threatens the unity of the body that we can uh, be able to prayerfully seek out ways to find reconciliation? And also within this is this idea of accessible ministry training. So finding ways to practically train leaders specifically through our institutions like Ashland University and Ashland Seminary. And you might say, well, what does that have to do really with the whole family part? Well, it's, it's not because we think that other institutions are less capable, but we really do believe that there is value to the relationships built when we are formed alongside one another. And so when we can encourage all of our leaders and our lay leaders to be able to, uh, to come through the same place in order to to network and learn together and grow together, there is real value to that. The common denominator in all these things is that it matters that we're seeking out the mind of Christ together, that we are praying together, reconciling together, learning together. I really love uh, the Apostle Paul's encouragement in Philippians 2 when he says this. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, by being one in spirit, one. We were talking this morning in adult Bible study about uh, continuing our conversation and study on atonement uh, and, and reading an article together that was talking about the corporate level uh, of atonement. We oftentimes only think about our individual relationship with, with Jesus being reconciled to God in that way, but God has reconciled all things. Right? And, and if we are reconciled with God th- this way, vertically, we are also reconciled as a body to one another and to God together. That, that, that ought to matter. Paul isn't talking about um, uniformity here. He's talking about unity, a commitment to one another just as Jesus was committed to us, even while we were yet at odds with him. I've used this phrase before, this idea that um, just like in marriage, in any relationship where real, true love is present, that we fight with and for one another. We disagree about the things that matter because uh, we we try to come to an understanding of what is the right solution here. There are things that we need to, to fight out and talk about but we also fight for the other person just as much or more as we fight about whatever the scenario is or, or thing that we need to figure out. I see this in action practically uh, within our denomination all the time. I know of people who have some significant degree disagreements with one another, often have uh, different ideological perspectives that really clash with one another. And they'll have some, sometimes it seems like kind of ugly words uh, that are said in disagreement. And yet then I see them also get together for lunch and dinner and watch them around the dinner table as they have, you know, not fake concern, but genuine interest. And what's going on with the kids, your family? Like, I just want to, I love you guys. I care about you. I want to know what's going on, even when they disagree with one another. That's such a beautiful picture of what unity and love looks like. And Jesus is great about this as well, right? He's the one who teaches us how to do this. He creates a family out of broken self-interested people that helps us be whole, restored, care about others more than ourselves. If we want to see more of it, it means that we need to continue to show up with humility and with willingness of heart. So, we're purchased by Jesus. We're led 
by Jesus, our living word, and the Holy Spirit together as a family of churches to serve in God's kingdom mission, to create innovative relational spaces. Now, this specific wording might feel a little bit unfamiliar to some. Like, what does it mean to create a relational space, uh, much less to do it in an innovative way? Uh, through several of the town halls and processing discussions, this language actually popped up from some of our younger participants uh, who have this specific passion. So uh, our younger generations will use words like creating relational spaces for people. And it was some of those who had uh, recommended that language. It longs these spaces where people connect community in new ways. Um, one of our friends, Lydia, not my wife Lydia, just a, uh, another, another Lydia, uh, has this dream of someday being able to plant a church that's like a, uh, it's a coffee house. She runs a, co uh, a coffee shop and is able to provide space for people to come and build community there and, uh, and to be able to worship in some creative ways. This is kind of this new, interesting ways for people to connect. This felt so intuitively connected for us with the ways that we see Jesus break down barriers throughout the Gospels to create new pockets of community where people um, may have avoided each other before. So we see Jesus meeting with a Samaritan woman at a well he's not even supposed to be at, but he creates this new relationship where he preaches to crowds out in fields and on mountainsides, sometimes standing in a boat, uh, talking to people to, to gather community in that way. He crashes dinner parties with the religious elite. Uh, he doesn't behave the way he ought to in those situations. And then also does things like making tax collectors and sinners not just guests of honor, but sometimes the host of the dinner party that he's uh, participating in. If we follow the example of Jesus, we find this permission and this encouragement to completely reimagine the ways that we gather and do faith life together for worship, for discipleship, for community. And so we know we want to focus on things like church multiplication, church planting, church revitalization and renewal and missional evangelism, getting out into our community. We also want to in those priorities, prioritize learning how to be creative and adaptable in the ways that we create space for people to connect community life. I want to mention you, Rudy, that at our last panel on uh, Thursday, right? Rudy could not stop bragging on our church because uh, he, he just felt like we, we do this in some really neat ways, right? Um, we already do this well by opening up our space for people to be here and to make connections with others. So um, things like our relationship through the food pantries. He was telling some stories about new connections he's seen people make just by coming through the food pantry and having enough space to talk with one another. Not just to go through a line, but actually be there and be family and be neighbors with one another. Uh, things like our community garden. We've seen so many people make connections through that as they're sharing gardening tips with one another and, and doing that. Um, our recovery groups that meet here, people, uh, you know, make new connections. We have our campfire night this last Wednesday, which was really fun. I hope you guys can uh, also come this upcoming August one. It was a new experiment for us this summer, and it's just a fun thing to get together just to be with one another. Right? Um, so my question is, we're, we're already doing this pretty well in some other ways, but how can you personally continue contributing to this and, and, and to do it even more? Are there ways that we can show up in new ways? Uh, to build new relationships or other opportunities that we could pursue. So if you have ideas or things to suggest uh, to us as a, a you know, court leader do this, or if you're like, hey, we already have this going on. I'm just going to go to the church because I know people will be there. Uh, and to do that, we can do this creating innovative spaces uh, to, to meet with others.
we're united by Jesus, we invite people into God's kingdom from every possible people group, every tribe, language, people, and nation. This was one of the parts of our vision statement that got me the most jazzed up um, because I love the way that Jesus transcends all barriers to create this diverse family. Now, we look around our room at our national gatherings like General Conference, and there is some diversity in our representation. We also notice by and large that we see a lot of older white male faces, particularly in our leadership. There's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But that representation isn't necessarily consistent with the demographics of the society around us. Right? Things are changing in different ways. The world's changing around us. And that actually presents us with an enormous opportunity. So back in my days with, uh, in Las Vegas with Youth with a Mission, I always have to give that caveat. That's why I was in Vegas. I was doing mission work. Um, but we'd always celebrate the fact that we could bring the gospel to the nations without much effort because the nations all came to us. You know, people came for business trips and for all sorts of other things from all different places in the world. And it made it like that much easier for us to accomplish that mission of, of bringing the gospel to the nations. The same is true for Columbus, Ohio, and America in general, but maybe in different ways, right? It's not necessarily people coming to spend a weekend or have a conference at different things. But we do have an increase of, of immigrants and refugees uh, who have come from around the world, not just to visit, but to start new lives here. So we have the opportunity to realize the heavenly vision of, of Revelation just by loving our neighbors well, just by inviting them into the family. And not just inviting them so that we see new people in our congregations led by the same people who have always led, but to see new people lead and find new ways to embody the gospel in unique ways. So our strategic plan includes things like uh, resourcing and supporting and equipping leaders from, from young leaders, from women leaders, uh, multiracial and, and multi-ethnic leaders. This matters because we know that we're all created with unique gifts and perspectives that you can uniquely speak to the whole of creation. It doesn't mean that one leader is better than another just by virtue of their skin color, their gender, or their age, but it does mean that we can appreciate the unique perspectives that they, they bring and to desire to see those perspectives reflected in leadership across the board. Now, in my opinion, this is going to be a heavy lift, not even necessarily because of relational barriers between different groups, but more so because we don't always do a good job of calling out and discipling leaders. We don't always do a good job of, of saying verbally out loud to someone, have you ever considered that God might be calling you into ministry? Have you ever considered that you have a voice that needs to be heard. We need to do better about that for, for everyone, especially for the people who have typically been on the margins, who have not been represented in leadership. Do we see the potential that Jesus sees in others? Are we calling it out? Because Jesus has redeemed and empowered persons from all people groups, from every tribe, language, people, and nation, and empowered them for to encounter God's redemptive kingdom. If that third bit of the vision statement kind of gets at the breadth of God's kingdom people, the fourth section gets at the depth and the impact of Jesus' work in and through us. So that verse in Revelation 5, it speaks of God's gathered people as serving as a kingdom of priests. We'll read also here in a moment from Revelation 21, where it speaks of God's people as a bride 
prepared for the bridegroom, Jesus. A new Jerusalem where God will dwell among his people. As the bride of Christ, the church embodies even now a glimpse of that coming kingdom, coming restored kingdom. And to do that as fully as possible, we have to do it together. Practically, our strategic plan emphasizes things like shared service and mission experiences with other brethren, deeper relationships and joint efforts with our global partners, and strengthening our understanding of Jesus' kingdom in our brethren thought and our practice. So it means that we don't just get siloed off into our individual congregations, and we don't even just allow ourselves to get siloed off into our individual countries, right, uh, as a church and our borders, but we, in, we are intentional to share our life through mutual service and through community life together. The common denominator here again is that being together matters. We discover Christ in our midst and display Christ to the world through our love that's shared. So I've talked about my friend Sandy Lee a few times um, this morning. Uh, he was with us over conference week, and it was just so fun to be able to see him not only be able to share about what's going on in South Africa, but also participate, listen in on all the discussions that were being had about the church here in the U.S., and be able to offer his perspective as well. There was a great deal of anxiety throughout our conversations on the vision statement about certain words um, in one version of the vision statement that, and how they could be twisted by maybe political ways that people have used those terms before uh, in our politically charged environment. And Sindile stood up towards the end of the conference and was able to share, you know, that in South Africa, that social and cultural thing just didn't exist. And so he, he didn't even have the, that frame to see where that part of the discussion was coming from and have the same cultural baggage. So he was able to cut through that a little bit, but even more helpfully was able to speak a word of both comfort and challenge to the whole body, to people who are on both sides of whatever uh, issues or, or debates about those words that there were, calling us away from anxiety, calling us towards hope and towards courage and towards Jesus, towards discernment. He had a unique perspective to offer that we really needed to hear and we wouldn't have heard if he wasn't there. But he was there, it was important. Application for us, Smoky Row Brethren Church is a unique congregation among our movement. We don't have a lot of uh, our brethren churches in cities to begin with. So we are in a uh, set within a city. We have a different set of occupations and life experiences in our midst than many of our brethren churches who are from smaller, more rural areas. We have a lot that we can share with others, and we have a lot that we can learn from others and their perspective and experience as well. And that won't happen if we do things in isolation. But when we do things together, when we participate in our regional gatherings, our, our uh, general conferences, and we hear from the broader church as well, when we share with the other church, we are all better for it. We all come to a deeper sense of who Christ is, concerned the mind of Christ. So, I hope that you all are as optimistic about the vision as I am that we have. It's a high calling. And it's one that's only possible because what Jesus has done for us and is doing in us, this vision that, that we have been, been inspired towards, that he's going to make all things new and gather family from all of created order. 
this vision that we would be guided by Jesus as our living word and the Holy Spirit, united as a family. Inviting others into that family in new and creative ways. So that the full breadth of humanity would hear that invitation be able to encounter and respond to Jesus and become themselves co-heirs and priests in the kingdom. Let's join in that hopeful vision with the rest of our brethren as we put our hope and our trust in Jesus, eagerly anticipating that day. He will make all our hope and all our effort a reality. Lord, we are thankful for what you do in our midst. We thank you for the joy of seeing you at work here in our congregation, in our community. And we thank you for the joy of seeing you at work in the larger church, in the larger family, that we can be a part of this thing called the Brethren Church. Knowing even then that it is a subset of your wide family. And we, we cherish our tradition and, and our movement in as much as we contribute to the church as a whole. We do what we do the way that we do because you're convinced that this is the, the, the fullest and best way in order to follow you. It, we also hold that humbly, knowing that we can learn from others, that we can be spurred on towards greater faith our other brothers and sisters as well. And so, Lord, we just pray that we might be inspired by your vision. You have made for yourself, for your very own possession, people. You made a way for us to be part of So may we give glory and may we respond to your invitation. Pray that.